Happy 2020. Come on. It's been a year since we've done this. Yeah, it has. In a crazy year at that. It's been an insane year. Like, you and I, we met in 2016, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and that, was, that, was a, that was a crazy time. It was. It was revival. Come on, man. And so we met, you and I met just after things blew up there in San Diego. And um, uh, you, you went into the night after night, meeting after meeting. You're, you're coming into 2020, right? And then all of a sudden, all this stuff uh, comes out about, about COVID-19 and this crazy kind of pandemic. So what did that look like as far as like, kind of like um, going night after night, you know, in-person meetings mm-hmm. and then transitioning from in-person meetings into like online revival? And is that even... Is that even possible? Is it even possible yeah, yeah. to do online revival? Oh, man. To be honest with you, we didn't even skip a beat. I mean, we had been doing, you know, live stream from day one. And, you know, we're almost five years in to hosting revival. I think, you know, on Thursday night will be night 1,120. And, uh, wow. you know, obviously not having people in the room, uh, you know, it's much better having people in the room and, you know, we, we were missing that. But at the same time, we've got a global family from all over the world, a couple thousand people that watch a night on YouTube, about a thousand people that watch on our app. And, uh, you know, we just totally kept doing what we're doing. We didn't change anything, didn't change the format. I mean, we, we did our intercession times, worship, uh, you know, we, we, we did our announcements, uh, our messages all the same way that we would do them as before, never shifted anything. And uh, we just did Thursday through Sunday nights on live stream. And we had tons of crazy miracles, people getting healed of COVID, people, uh, you know, blindness and deafness and people that had metal rods, uh, you know, dissolve their bodies online. I mean, just online revival and people getting saved, Uh, you know, so uh, for us, even though everything shut down for the whole world and the church world, you know, we had already birthed an app two and a half years ago. God told me, he said that the church got to become, it need to become apostolic. And he said that technology is going to be one of the ways to reach the world and to release revival, you know, to, to people that don't know them and also to equip the ones that do. And so, you know, by the time the pandemic hit, we already had 17,000 people on our app and we'd been giving away all of our stuff for about two and a half years, all our schools, all of our uh, messages of the week, you know, everything that we developed in one minute answers, three minute sermons, just that was our, our, our thing that we really felt the Lord said to sow revival and revelation into a generation. And so when the, the pandemic hit, 
we didn't skip a beat. In fact, it increased even finances and even, uh, you know, just the, the influence because now people were at home. They didn't ever know who we were. Now they discovered it. And, uh, and so uh, don't get me wrong. I'm stoked that we get to meet now and have people in the room and, and do the meetings. It's much better. But it didn't really mess with us. We just kept going. That's incredible. That's incredible. And now you guys uh, are meeting again in, in person. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For the last six weeks or so, uh, we've been doing Sunday nights, you know, uh, so we do, we still do Thursday, Friday and Saturday on live stream format, but then Sunday nights we gather, we, you know, anybody can come from wherever. And it's been amazing. People have been flying in, uh, you know, actually there's many people, uh, that have been flying in from here in, in Washington and, and, uh, the Seattle area. And there's even some here in the crowd right now that have flown out many times and come to, uh, you know, some of those, those meetings. And, uh, and so anyway, last week we had four nights. We do a conference every month now where we open up four nights and we had, Seven or eight states fly in. You know, people come from all over the place uh, to be a part of it, and miracles are happening. And um, and there's just a fresh sense of hunger now, though. Like, I mean, people aren't familiar uh, with the presence of God now that, that you know they haven't been able to have uh, that corporate meeting. And so now we're seeing hunger like like never before. That's awesome. Yeah, that is that is awesome. And uh, so now. Um, the stuff that you've been talking about this week as far as like the nations and how like how 2019 like kind of set things up for 2020 but like it's so, like 2019 and when the stuff you're doing in Pakistan in Malawi right yeah like you're doing all this all, all this all this crazy stuff and then going into 2020 not getting to do all of these huge crusades and, right. and but what happened was is because of this global pandemic it created like unprecedented need right yep. in, in the in the nations yep. so on one hand it's like unfortunate that you're not getting to do all this like uh, I, you that you don't actually get to be there on right. the other hand that so much need was created yep. through this global pandemic that you guys are having a far more imp like you're, you're having a huge impact yeah right so like i'd love to I'd love to talk about that a little bit as far as just like how like 2019 set things up in, sure. in 2020 and the, this opportunity that's really opened up uh, this yeah. year. Yeah, so, you know, 2019, we relaunched our crusade ministry. Um, you know, before revival broke out in 2016, we did crusades all the time. You know, like we'd been doing them for at least around uh, 10 years. And then when revival broke out, we canceled everything from itinerant to conferences to um, you know, the crusades and, and all the mission stuff just to host the presence of God. And, you know, in 2019, we felt the reboot on that and that we were supposed to start to go to the nations, bring teams with us and train up an army for God and go and uh, do mass soul winning meetings. I mean, you know, both in Malawi and in uh, Pakistan, we had over 100,000 people the last nights of, wow, yeah. you know, the, the crusades and uh, we saw 55,000 people saved in Malawi. We saw 155,000 saved in Pakistan and uh, every kind of miracle you could think of under the sun, you know, from um, blind, deaf, crippled, you know, people that were demon-possessed, bound in chains, set free, uh, healed and delivered, and a lot of it just in the atmosphere. And, you know, one of the things that we have a huge heart for is, you know, to feed the poor. And so we always try to go to, you know, the worst of the worst places in whatever nation we're in um, as far as poverty goes. And when we do that, you know, we, we go intentionally, we bring food, we bring um, provisions, you know, what, whatever it is that they need in those areas. And so when we went to Pakistan last November, 
uh, we did the mass crusades, but we also went to an Afghan village. And it was funny because, you know, I, I said to the guys, I said, on the ground, I said, um, I want to go to the worst place possible. And they just looked at me like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm absolutely sure. So we ended up going to this Afghan camp. And what's wild about it was I thought we were going to like a normal refugee camp where, you know, people were victims of war and the whole thing. Well, I had no idea. These people got kicked out of their country because of that stuff. And, uh, and, and so the government didn't really talk with them or mess with them. They just kind of were off in the corner. And when we went, Darren, it was one of the worst living situations I'd ever seen. Dead bodies on the side of the road. The smell was, uh, I mean, like when we got out of the bus, it was like, whoa, there, there's something different about this, you know. But I just know that the heart of Jesus is to go to those kinds of places where people are lost and they don't know him. And, you know, this is like, they told us this is an unreached people group. Um, we went in there and, and we went to the village. And when we got there, you know, we thought we were going to have like the welcoming party. But we actually had a whole bunch of people that were not that happy we were there. In fact, they planned on stoning us to death. And uh, we didn't know that when we were going in. But, but about halfway through our introductions, like with them, we realized, wait, something's not right, you know. And um, I'd had a dream a couple nights before kind of warning that, that there could be the possibility of some sort of an attack. And that I actually saw a, a guy's face in my dream that I saw in the crowd there. And, and so, you know, we had our worship leader with us, Andrew Hopkins, and he started worshiping, and me and him started jumping around, and nobody else did anything. There's people watching us, and, um, and the <laughs> Lord, like, no response, you know, just... Yeah. And then I noticed some of them had stones, and I was like, okay, this is not good. And, uh, and the, <laughs> Lord, holding rocks. the Lord spoke yeah. to me, and he said, Jeremy, he said, if you want to live, you better start moving in power right now. <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, like, well, what do I do? And he said, somebody's got a deaf ear. I want to open it. So I said, who's got a deaf ear? And it was one of the main leaders of the camp had a deaf ear since birth. We prayed for him. The ear popped open. Wow, come and, on. And the place came unglued, shouting and praising. Wow. And, like, and, wow. and, and, and screaming. And it, it was it broke it open. And then I thought, well, all right, let's preach the gospel. And the Lord said, you better feed him first if you want to live. And I'm like, God, why do you keep saying if we want to live? And he's like, trust me. So we fed him. All the women and children came out at that point. It was no longer just the men. We gave away 1,000 meals in about 15 minutes. And uh, it was almost a riot because we didn't have enough food. And so anyway, after that, you know, I decided, all right, now's the time to preach the gospel. And uh, so we preached, and like 26 people got saved. Two of them were imams, and then all of a sudden the head, head imam came down, you know, and he, he gets real close to me in my face, and he says, you're not welcome here. Get out. You weren't invited. You just came. And, and, and so anyway, we ended up leaving, and when we left, you know, the, there was a representative from the UN that was there. He ran up to our bus, and he said, you guys are crazy. He's like, do you realize who these people are? And we said, no. And they said, these guys, uh, the, these guys are the ones that... They're, they're responsible for a lot of the destruction and, and, and craziness, and the government's scared of them, but thank you for showing them love. He was like, nobody's ever come back here, and, and it, he, he's like, I don't know how you did that miracle thing, but it was like, you got their attention. And uh, so anyway, so we these left. Guys are like, these guys are like terrorists? Oh, it's, uh, you know, they, they had machine guns back there. That's what they told us. They had piles of them and, you know, all kinds of stuff. H and Hence God's saying, like, if you want to live... You better operate in the supernatural, like right, right exactly, now. Exactly, right, right now. now. Because yeah. the, the supernatural power of God 
is what puts the powers and principalities in check, you know? When Jesus was moving in miracles, it was more than just like wowing people. I mean, listen, where there was a deaf and dumb spirit in a region, it might, when he broke that power, uh, you know, over the deaf and dumb spirit in a boy, then the whole region received the gospel. Totally. And, I mean, don't you think that a lot of times, like in, in the charismatic camp, in the modern day charismatic thing, right? That sometimes mm -hmm. the supernatural is more of like a luxury than it is like an actual necessity. That's right. Right. It's almost more like, because our generation is just like into special effects just for the spe spectacular part of it, right? Totally. And, and so I, I love that. I love it when like the supernatural, like this is no long, longer a luxury. This is a necessity. That's right. If you want to live. Well, it's the gospel. Come on. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, you know, the Bible tells us that he saw people like sheep that had no shepherd. And because That's of right. that, his heart right. was moved with compassion, with love for them. And he saw them as weary and scattered. And because of that, he healed them all. Yeah. And so, you know, you'll never ever see a separation between the teaching and the preaching of the gospel and the demonstration of the gospel. And I, I believe that as a generation, you know, we've gotten really heady. We've gotten a lot of head knowledge, but we need to start getting that the supernatural power of God, which flows from heart knowledge. And when we do, it breaks strongholds and it opens up the reality of the kingdom. And so what's amazing is, you know, we, we went there, we survived <laughs> and, we, you know, we went home. And then in March, you know, the, the pandemic happened and the Lord spoke to me at the very beginning of the pandemic. He said, one of the keys to actually, you know, the financial realm and even um, my provision for you and Elisha Revolution and, and the, the fire and glory outpouring, you know, to, to make it through the pandemic is going to be the poor. Wow. He said, sowing wow. into the gospel, sowing into the kingdom. And so I thought, all right, cool. We'll do whatever you want. We didn't have much money. Um, you know, it, it, we'd been going week to week, uh, you know, just by the, the offerings that came in online and those that were given in-house. And, and so when you take away the, the in-house now, we're like, okay, now we're just only online. And uh, you know, I remember I go, okay, well, Lord, who do you want us to sow into? And it was like the next day I got a call from Pakistan and it was our guys that we worked with there. And they said, you're not going to believe this. They said, listen, we've got COVID really bad in our nation. It's shut down. And they said a lot of people are dying from starvation. The government doesn't have any kind of infrastructure to help them. And they said, remember the Afghan camp? And I said, of course. And they said, remember the guy that wanted to, like, you know, he told you to get out and, and you know, you weren't welcome there and they wanted to kill us, but God showed up. And I said, of course. And he goes, yeah, the same guy that kicked you out contacted us and asked us if we could get in touch with you. And, and, and he, he said that he, he wanted to see if you could help him. Wow. Because the government was unwilling to help them because they're not Pakistan, they're, they're Afghan. And so he, he said, your Jesus uh, provided for us once the love uh, you know, that, that you showed with the meals. Would you be willing to do it again? So this is the same camp that was previously Christ hostile, yep. looking to actually like literally stone you with rocks. Yep. And then God showed up yep. and they remembered you. And then when everything kind of hit the fan for them, their, their own kind of government wouldn't provide for them. And they, they found you, they tracked you down and asked if you'd be willing yeah. to help help with their survival during this time. Yeah, and, and so we've sent over $40,000 of relief and That's we've fed hundreds of families. And, you know, we put together these care packages that it's like necessities and food and bags of rice and, you know, basic living supplies, shampoos, toothpaste, 
uh, vitamins, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. We're going to put like, we're going to put your stuff in the show notes. Uh, it's not there yet, but for people watching and they're getting really excited about this, how can they donate uh, specifically into what you're doing there uh, in, in Pakistan? It's very simple. You just go on our website, go to ElishaRevolution.com, uh, click the donate button and there's a link that says missions. And so you just click the missions link and there's a little tiny spot that you can write a little message in. So you could write in there Pakistan Relief or Afghan Camp or something like that uh, if that's something that God puts in your heart. Well, it's cool because the Lord spoke to you and basically it was like missions. Uh, giving yeah. to missions is going to be a key to unlock yeah. uh, real prosperity for the, for the ministry. And that that same kind of um, strategy could work for others. You know? Absolutely. And so, uh, and so the, we don't necessarily have to go to Pakistan um, you know, and, and, and perform or die. Uh, but, but we can, we can, we can take the, this treasure of this testimony, which is yeah. the spirit of prophecy, and we can sow into that knowing that this really is, this really is a promise. This really is a yeah. principle yeah. That, um, that, 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 that when going through crisis, if, if we will get our attention off of our own survival, and if we will just in our, in, in wherever we're at, if we will just begin to really give and to begin yeah. to just really release, that really does open up something. Yeah, it opens it up. Significant. Man. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, the, the I, I just love that whole story, bro. That whole thing, like, you know, this, like this this village of, like, basically terrorists <laughs> that are Christ hostile. And you, like, you're in there, like, because you asked, I want to go to one of the most difficult villages. Exactly. That's so awesome. You know, uh, what's amazing <laughs> is the Bible says, he who lends to the Lord lends to the poor and he shall repay. And, uh, you know, the Proverbs 8 talks about when you have a heart for justice and uh, righteousness that God will fill your treasuries. And so one of the things that I think we got to recognize is that in the West, we have this funky gospel. It's like a, um, you know, it, it's like a prosperity gospel. Now, when I say that, I want to be careful because I do believe in prosperity. You read about, you know, Abraham, you read about Isaac, you read about, uh, you know, the, the patriarchs and God blessed them abundantly. Joseph was a steward over, you know, yeah. all of the kingdom of, of uh, Egypt and, and Daniel was a steward a over all of Babylon. And, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, so... By no means am I saying I don't believe in the prosperity of God, the blessing of the Lord. Right. Uh, you know, because I think some people have a poverty spirit. Sure. But what I am saying is that the motive of the heart is what it's all about. Because, you know, Jesus said this, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot steal from and, uh, you know, uh, or cannot destroy and a thief can't break in and steal. Uh, from and he said where your heart is your treasures are also and I think when I say so into the kingdom what I'm saying is so into the mission of Jesus yeah see here's why when you sow into the gospel it's impossible not to reap how would God not back up his own mandate how would he not back up his own message his own heart right Jesus said go into the world and preach the good news of the kingdom and he said this he said those who believe will be saved uh, you know those who don't will be condemned but then he said these signs will follow uh, those who believe they'll cast out demons they'll speak in new That's tongues right. they'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover and so if you're sowing into souls if you're sowing into that realm of the gospel then God is always going to release a, a harvest back because that's the very heart of the father and you know I think we get distracted sometimes in the west with you know the name it and claim it you know like I, I'm gonna sow the seed for my major huge you know mansion and you know it's like and then they get someone gets the mansion and they're still not fulfilled you know because it's not about stuff and listen God has no problem with you if you got a mansion I'm not even saying that but what I'm saying is there has to be a reset 
in the way that we think if we want to see a multiplication factor of the things of the kingdom. And so listen, while a lot of ministries have been suffering and a lot of ministries have been uh, falling apart, shutting the doors of the church, we have seen the most finances come in in the last three and a half, four months uh, that we've, we've ever seen, you know, in, in a little bit of a time. And it's amazing. I mean, we have our entire Malawi crusades already paid for for next year. Yeah, Half of our Pakistan crusades already paid for. Um, this forty thousand dollars plus um, with with the COVID relief for these different places that we're at has been paid for. I just got a text today from Pakistan. We've got so many people saved. He just requested that we could buy four thousand dollars worth of Bibles. Wow! Uh, and, wow. and 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 wow. you know, for some of them, we have to translate them. And we've got these really cool devices that will have the gospel in a chip that can go in a cell phone. Um, and and so anyway, we're working on these projects and uh, and we've got overflow finances for it you know like we're not begging for for money and not only that our staff is taking care of our ministry is taking care of um, you know, we've got three and a half months out payroll already taken care of. And, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to brag on, uh, you know, myself, we're bragging on God, but also we're, we're talking about the kingdom of God. When you sow into the kingdom, you reap the kingdom. Yeah. And you're specifically talking about, cause I've seen this in your culture with your internship and with, and with the revival that you've been hosting in San Diego is it's very, it's very gospel centric, but very uh, extroverted. Um, that's not what I'm looking for more externally focused. So there's a big, like, and, and you have, you've talked a lot about, like, the Great Commission. Like, that's a real big deal um, to you. Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> and, and so much so that you've been really talking about this, this whole thing of prosperity, that when we're sowing in, we're not just, we're not looking at this just for our own kind of, um, and, and, uh, and I want to go somewhere with this, where, where it goes beyond where it ties back to the supernatural that we were talking about just right. a second ago in our generation, some of the things that we're battling against right now as a generation right. and as a church. Um, but the, a key has been not just investing into something that's Christian or not just something into that's supernatural, but something that's very gospel-centric and something that's, that's all about the Great Commission, that it's all about making disciples of nations and that's reaching right. the unreached. That really, is, yep. that really is a major key. But that's also a huge value in what you're doing with Eli uh, with, uh, with uh, Elisha um, Revolution. Yeah. Right? And the reason why we stumble around, around here is because there's actually a, a ministry here in the Northwest called Elijah's Request. Mm. I think that's the name of it. So anyways, like, that's what Sandy was kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tri tripping a little bit this morning, and me just now. But here, here, here's, here's where I'm going. Right, there's been kind of this thing that's been kind of like hatching over the last couple of years. And, and there's this like... There's an obvious, not just in the church, like within the, within the culture, like a desire, like this, this hunger, this ravenous hunger for the supernatural, yeah. right? To understand other realms and, and, you, and, and like, it's like the top grossing books are all, right? It's like Harry Potter and, 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 and Harry yeah, Potter. And like, but, like, like, but there's like loads. It's not my yeah. genre, so I'm not necessarily up to date, but like it's right. a it's huge. Right, like all the Marvel movies, yeah. all the culture of cinema. It's all something beyond natural, supernatural. Yeah. yeah, it's like outside of so outside of Christ, like outside of the church, you have like you have a like a, an openness, right? It's like an yeah. especially in Seattle, right? Very like uh, very very open to the supernatural and uh, psychics and astrology and uh, consulting with the dead and, and everything. Like I was on a radio, I had a radio show for years, and there was a mm -hmm. gal on the channel that would actually like talk to your dead pets. 
you know, get information from that realm. <laughs> it's wow. so good times, right? And so <laughs> now we look at the church and we look at the culture of the church mm -hmm. when it comes to the supernatural and the culture of the world. And it, and it kind of parallels right. and that, that you have a, you have a people that are, that are, that are ravenously hungry mm -hmm. for the, for the supernatural. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but it, it tends to kind of, to, um, to kind of, that, that we find ourselves as the end. Like, 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 it's almost like that, this whole, like, I, give me more information or revelation so right. that it can terminate on an encounter between me and, 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 and the Lord. Right. And um, versus, that's, that's not what we see biblically. Like, like, biblically, we see this pattern that every time there's an encounter with God, like we're, I was reading out Isaiah 6 at the end of the meeting last night. That was a right. powerful meeting where Isaiah has this incredible encounter with the seraphim and with the God, like, mm -hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips. And, has this, and, then it, and then it leads to God commissioning him, and he says, now, okay, Isaiah, right. now go. Like, go to this people, right? right? And so um, what are we seeing right, like, like and it's, I, I don't blame people. I don't, I don't right. blame Christians. But I'm wondering, there's got to be something off when it comes to, like, the supernatural charismatic leadership in the church right now where it's almost like there's, there's this place of, like, feeding people what they want in order to have an encounter mm -hmm. but doing a great injustice to the Great Commission because right. people are having an encounter with God but it's not leading to the Isaiah 6, now go. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I understand what you're yeah. saying. I think, you know, really what we're talking about is there's a, different, there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And so, like, when you have head knowledge, it puffs up, you know, and there's inaction to it. And what happens is that, you know, you can actually get fulfillment out of knowledge. You know, it's like, I know this and I know all the stuff about this, you know, and it's like, and, and you, people will actually uh, stay in the lane of, I need more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge. But when they're not doing what they know, then the encounter is not changing who they are. And a lot of times they're not even having encounters because they're not actually stepping in to what it is that they're learning about. And because they're unwilling to step into it, it's, it stays up here instead of manifest down here. And so what we have is we have a whole bunch of leaders that have developed a, a religious system of teaching where people are dependent on the man of God or the woman of God. And it's all more of a, a celebrity mindset when it comes to Christianity. And I'm not saying this is every church, but I'm saying that you can see this in a lot of mainstream, uh, a lot of uh, different, you know, organizational, I would say, base, not spirit-based, um, you know, churches and, and organizations is it's, it's become more about the teaching and the training than it is of the activation and the actual doing. And that's why, you know, the Bible says that we got to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And I believe that a true encounter with God will produce fruit. And a, a true encounter with God in a leader will produce multiplication. And, you know, I, I think that our job is to activate a whole generation to know God like we know God. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that some are given to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it, But it doesn't stop there. It says, and their job is to equip the saints yeah. to do the work of the yeah, ministry. And so I think we're in a time right now where there's a shift between teaching 
and knowledge into a place of revelatory teaching and activation. The equipping part is what God is on right now. So that uh, if I have a true office gift of a prophet, whatever I experience in the prophetic and hearing the voice of God, the miracles, seeing, experiencing, angelic realm, heavenly realm, uh, I'm not just going to talk about that, but I'm going to give you the keys to develop it for your own self so you can know God more. Absolutely. And so when you come to those, 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 the five offices that you just mentioned, and you see like, uh, uh, like the prophet office that you operate in, which is always like a big, you know, it's kind of funny, like, like you know, if, if you want to have a conference that no one attends, do a worship conference. If, if, if you want to have a conference that everybody attends, do a prophetic conference. Yeah. You know, because everybody wants a word, right? Yeah. And so, um, but when it comes to the office of the evangelist, What's happening with that scene right now? Because on one hand, I totally honor you in the office of the prophet, seeing you, seeing you operate in that for sure, and seeing you function in that, in that, in that role, just as far as who mm-hmm. you are as a person. Um, and yet, the culture that you've created in San Diego has, has a tremendous organic evangelistic accountability yeah. built into it. Like, you guys are just lit up about souls, Come you on. know? You're, you're, almost, you're almost just like, there's like this <laughs> aggressive soul-winning it's beautiful. Yeah. And so um, what's happening in, in the church in America right now when it comes to this office of the, of the evangelist? Like if we're on the five-fold stock market and we're looking right, right. at this particular office, what's, what's happening? What do you feel like God's doing in that area? Well, I think, you know, we're in a season right now where the harvest is being prepared like never before. I mean, with COVID-19, a global pandemic, lockdown, people starving to death all around the world, you know, everything that's uh, being shook and can be shook, you know. And one of the things that I think is happening right now is that the morale of uh, a generation, uh, it, it's coming to the end of itself. People are realizing they ain't got it. People are realizing their false idols, their false gods aren't getting them through, aren't bringing good luck, aren't bringing breakthrough. And I think that we finally found a people weak enough to receive the gospel in masses. Wow. And, you know, I really believe that we have to start letting the evangelists begin to rise up in the church. And I think that we're about to see where stadium events go from prayer meetings to, you know, evangelistic miracle, uh, you know, moments where, where entire cities get impacted by the glory and part of what we've got to do is we've got to get the evangelists in the center of, uh, you know, equipping and training people for outreach, as well as their specific gift mixes that come with each office. You know, an office of an evangelist, they carry a boldness, they carry a faith, they carry a miracle realm on their lives that's contagious, a conviction of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, a lot of churches try to produce that out of a good sermon or out of uh, the methods of what they learned in a Bible school. And there's a, there's a metron of influence that the evangelist carries that cuts through the spirit realm and, and begins to open things up. And so I think it's time that we begin to allow the evangelist to start to move. And, you know, a lot of times churches will be inspired to do uh, some outreach stuff and then they put it on and it doesn't quite work. But what they're not doing is letting the evangelist do the preaching. You know, it's like uh, we can gather in numbers around a certain thing like prayer or worship or this. But what about being intentional but then letting the evangelist begin to move? Because the evangelist doesn't need to be taught how to do it. It's in them. It just comes out. The conviction comes. The miracles come. Like it's like I'm more comfortable preaching to 100,000 people than 
I am to 200 people, but that's because it's what I'm called to. And you throw me into the middle of, uh, when I go to Pakistan, you know, it's funny because there'll be 100,000 people, there'll be a guy way off in the distance, and the pastor will go, see that guy back there? And they'll radio him, and he waves like this, you know? And he goes, don't worry, he's the number one sniper from the military. And there's four other guys too, and if anybody comes on the stage to get you, they'll take them out, you know? And it's like, most people would freak out, right? Like, I get excited. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, we're here and we're doing war in the spirit by preaching the gospel and I get more excited and more fired up and it's like do the miracles and the power and the preachings more clear there in that moment than when I'm in a conference and it's because it's what I'm created to do as an evangelist you know what I mean and as a prophetic evangelist it's that's the sweet spot and so I think we've got a lot of churches that have teachers as their evangelists and we need to find these young on fire Kids, like, listen, here's what we have. We have about 15 of them that are just on fire, women and men, young, young men and women, and, and some of the older ones too. And all they dream about is souls. You know, they just wow. want to preach the gospel, souls. And, and, and here's what I've learned is I'd encourage them in the gospel. I don't tell them like, no, no, you know what, that's cool and all, but like you should read this book. No, I go, go, dude, do what Jesus did. Yeah. Read the gospels. Like I, I encourage it. But at the same time, I teach them to know God more. Wow. And, wow. and so I feel like that, you know, there's a, there's a multiplication factor the Office of the Evangelist has. And what we've done is the evangelists have been in the nations because they haven't been as accepted in America. And, and you know, uh, but I also believe that we're in a time right now where God is raising up revivalists. It's like a, uh, we have a new term for the evangelists now. You know, it's, it's like, true, you're yeah. a revivalist. And now, like, the people aren't like, oh, the evangelists, they're revivalists. All right, we're good with that. You yeah, know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. It, it, now, now there's much more acceptance to evangelism. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That, that, that's true. And, uh, like, what's interesting is, like, what's happening with the stadium events. I love how 2020 uh, began with the Awaken um, event that you did with uh, Herzog mm-hmm. and Swanson and, and like we were talking last night, right? Kanye and 30,000 people, you yep. know, in the, in, the, in the stadium there. What I love about it is it, it appeared to me like it, this was going to be a, a revival uh, stadium event. Right. Which, which is actually rare. Totally. And revival uh, with, a, with, with a major emphasis on evangelism. Yep. You know, and um, uh, what's interesting, you know, this text is thrown out all, all the time. Second Chronicles 7.14, everybody will be familiar with this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And I heard a, a very a huge uh, prominent voice within the kind of apostolic uh, prophetic stream, you know, the other night, just sharing this text again. You know, that, that, yeah. that, that what the church needs to do right now is we need to repent. Like, there needs to be major repentance in the church. And, um, you know, and, but, bro, like, I don't know, for the last 20 years, we've been doing um, yeah, yeah. stadium events where we've been repenting, like, huge right. corporate repentance and reconciliation. So, like, like I guess my question is, um, at what point, um, repentance is a lifestyle, right? And there's things that I got to re- repent for and things that the Lord puts his finger on. And, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and yet, like, at, at, what, at what point does, does, like, in 20 years, are we still going to be doing these huge corporate repentance, you know, where we're right. ripping our shirts, like, God, forgive, do you forgive us now? <laughs> you know, and I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not mocking. I am, I'm having fun. Right. I'm not dissing because I love all these people, these leaders, and, and, and the, the important place that these events have had in, in the history. Mm-hmm. When we're looking to the future, at what point 
do, do, do things shift and we and we and we start doing the things that Jesus did in this yep. massive kind of you know and so uh, that's a question. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, that's that's a great question, and you know I do believe that history belongs to those who pray. Yes, and I believe in intercession. I believe. Uh, that strongholds are broken when we gather in those, you know, prayer gatherings like that. And uh, I think we need to have them. I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, uh, one is better than the other. I think we need them both. And, but part of what I think we need to start thinking about is the follow-up on these things. So if we go into a certain city and do, let's say, a call or a send or like some of these, you know, big prayer gatherings, those are the ones that are in our stream. Yeah, right. Or even, uh, you know, some of the other ones that are out there that in other streams. What about, you know, going in strategically, clearing the heavens through intercession and prayer, but a month later having a citywide crusade? You know what I mean? And having the evangelists come in and, you know, through the actual gathering of prayer intercession, we mobilize the churches to begin to invite all their unsafe friends, all their, uh, the, the people they know that are addicted to drugs and all kinds of stuff and go out, get food, feed the poor. And then we come back to that same stadium, but it's like bring a friend who don't know Jesus meeting. And instead of it being 10 hours, it's three hours. And we actually have uh, a service where we go after it and we break it loose. And so I think that's one of the things that needs to happen in the future is the partnership between the evangelist and the prophetic intercessor. And if you look at time in history, that's exactly how Finney operated. That's exactly how uh, a lot of the revivalists of old, there was a Steve Nash that would go in, uh, or, or Steve Nash, he's a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's talk about Steve Nash. Yeah. Hey, he was yeah. out here, right? Yeah. But I mean, there, there, you know, Nash would go in and, and pray and intercede. There was guys that would, well, Frank Bartleman would bust things open, uh, you know, and, and William J. Seymour would see the miracle realm. And, wow. you know, there's uh, wow. Reese Howells and all of these guys, right? Yeah. It seems like to me we got the intercessor, but where's the evangelist? Wow. Where's right, the revivalist? Right, right, right. And what happens, I think, is because of the need of finance, we don't do it. Because people haven't discovered that God will fund the kingdom when it comes to souls every single time. Wow. Like, I don't have a hard time raising money for my crusades. You know, sure. some people freak out and go, how are you going to raise $80,000? Give me a month, I'll do it. And, you know, that's not arrogance. It's just God will provide for what he wants to do. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things God told me like a year and a half ago, the reason why we started doing our crusades overseas again is God told me, he said, it's about five years out before America will be hit with real stadium Christianity and souls and salvations. But he said this to me, he said, but if you want to be in the center of it, you need to start going to the nations and doing it now. And he said this to me, he goes, when the stadium season comes in America and it's full-fledged, he goes, who are people going to invite to do the stadium in their city? Someone who's got a prophetic word or someone who's already won 10 million people to Jesus. Wow, right. And so yeah. for us, that we started to do... So I, I took that and I, I said, we're going to run. We're going to go after the nations, you know. And, and, and so we went to Malawi, 55,000. We went to Pakistan, 155,000. We went to Pakistan again. Uh, we saw 15,000 there. Next year we've got, you know, um, Pakistan three times. We've got, uh, you know, two different Africa spots, Peru. I mean, we're, we're setting a full schedule. Wow. And we're going after harvest en masse knowing 
that what we sow in the nations is going to come back to this nation and is going to be something that's put on display here. And I'm not saying it's just myself or, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, any of that. I'm saying whatever it looks like, uh, we have to be already walking in the momentum of this when it hits. And I think that a lot of times we live in prophecies. Uh, you know, it, it, we, we have a culture that's interesting in America because people run around gathering prophecies rather than fulfilling them. And what, what happens is, and, and I'm not trying to be mean, but uh, the culture that we've created uh, in the prophetic a lot of times, uh, it, it's, you know, I want a word. I need a word. I got to get a word. And people come with a consumerism mindset to church rather than what can I give to you, Lord? Rather than, you know, uh, I'm passionate for Jesus and I'm here to give. And if he gives something back, praise God, that's he's good. But I'm here to worship him. I'm here to, to give him everything I got. My life is an offering onto him. And, and, and you know, I feel like a lot of hope deferred made the heart sick in the church is because people got spiritual schizophrenia when it comes to the prophetic, you know, because they're freaking out like, I'm so depressed. Why? What's wrong? Well, none of my words are coming to pass. And I'll go, which one are you pursuing? And they're like, well, I got like 40 of them. And it's like, well, wait a minute, 40 of them. Like you just need one that you can start putting legs to and then God will start breathing on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting how there seems to be a major shift right now within the church because there's been such an emphasis on like empower, like individualistic empowerment. Right. And so there's been this idea as, as far as defining destiny as taking the time to figure out what somebody's dream is and then discipling them into this place where their dream comes true. Right. It's almost like it's like a make-a-wish foundation within, within, <laughs> within church, right? And what's interesting about that is that that's not the kind of empowerment that Jesus practiced at all. Jesus didn't sit down with the 12 disciples and say, hey, let's just yeah. sit I just want to find out the desires of your heart. No. No, like Jesus was like, hey, um, you don't know who I am. I don't know who you are, but I want you to drop everything and follow me. Yeah. You know, just, just, like, just leave everything behind and follow me. That's right. Without any sort of, like, it, like without any promises. Like, if you follow me, I'm going to get you 20,000 followers on Instagram. You know, like, <laughs> if you follow me, I, like, you know, you're going to get that car you've always wanted. Like, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, I don't even know what that means, but okay. And and they did, like an incredible. And so it was almost like 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 the way that Jesus recruited. It was almost like he was enlisting um, soldiers into an army. Yeah. Versus offering any sort of. There was no bait and switch with with Jesus. Like yeah. Like you know, following is going to cost you. There was no. There was no. He didn't tease those guys at all. Like they knew that it was going to cost them everything from day one. And I just wonder what we've done within the modern context of just being in one of the most prosperous nations and right. then taking the prosperity of our country and then right. merging that with our theology and then perhaps packaging something that doesn't look anything like first century Christianity. Yeah, well, you know, I think it comes down to what gospel are you preaching? You know, a lot of the West preaches the gospel of salvation, not the gospel of kingdom. Wow. And, and, and here's the deal. The, I want to make sure I say this right. Okay. Salvation is the number one miracle. Come on, how many know that, that that's what it's all about? Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and, and to restore mankind to a relationship with their father. But there's a difference between preaching the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached. And here's where I think that a lot of 
people and a lot of churches are missing it in the West is that the message of the kingdom is what Jesus preached. Like you don't see Jesus preaching specifically the gospel of salvation often. I mean, the, the truth is there and the reality is that's why God sent him to die on the cross, raise again from the dead and to you know get you eternal life to get your sins forgiven. Now you can hear the voice of God. But if all we were gonna do is preach the gospel of salvation, I always uh, love what Bobby Connor says. You know, he jokes around and he says, if all we were going to do is preach the gospel of salvation and that's it, then we'd only need two ministries. He said, the ministry of an evangelist and the ministry of an assassin. One to get you saved and boom, the other one to get you to heaven. Totally. And, totally, uh, totally. But, but the, the reality is that I think the reason why we've got this mindset where it's all about us and where, you know, it's just all about the individual. Now, hear my heart. We, there is individual destiny. God does want you encouraged. God does want, he has a plan for your life and he loves you. There's gifts he's given you. There's callings that he's given you. But I think a lot of people wander around the wilderness because they put their calling or their gift above his mandate or above him or before him. And, and they're more excited about what they're going to do rather than what he is doing. And so the gospel of the kingdom of God message is this, the term apostle. Uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because Jesus is the chief apostle, the Bible tells us, and the cornerstone of our faith. And, you know, in Jesus's day, uh, they called the leaders rabbis, but Jesus called his leaders apostles. Well, that word apostle is actually a Roman term. And so what an apostle was, according to Rome, was it was a leader that would go into a city conquer it, and then they would actually enforce the Roman entertainment, the Roman law, the Roman culture. They would enforce uh, the, 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 the sound of the music they had, the games, you know, everything that was Rome was enforced in that region, so much so that they were to transform it so that it would feel just like Rome, so much so that if the emperor came and visited that city, it would feel like he was at home. And so what Jesus was saying awesome. was awesome. this, is that I am going to send you out as apostles who are going to bring the culture of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that wherever you go and whatever you do and wherever I send you, you're, you're going to, by the spirit, displace darkness and it's going to reinforce peace, joy, and righteousness. It's going to reinforce the, 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 that the demonic realm does not rule there, but heaven rules and salvation is a result, but transformation is a fruit. And, and so I, I think a lot of times uh, we, we don't realize Jesus didn't come uh, just to, uh, you know, to get you saved so that you could go to heaven. He came so that when you get saved, heaven can come in you. And then you could release it everywhere that you go. And so what has happened is people have become familiar with miracle signs and wonders in the prophetic because they don't understand the purpose of signs, wonders, and the prophetic. See, yes, we're supposed to encourage people in the church with the prophetic and we're supposed to encourage people that need healing. That's something that, you know, the church is like the hospital. It's like the training room. You know, it's people come to learn about God and to get equipped, but they also come to get healed if they're sick. But really, Jesus' model with miracle signs and wonders and the prophetic was to reach the lost. And what happens is that we're not using the tools that are given apostolically from Jesus to shift the culture. It's the miraculous realm that shifts the culture. It's the prophetic word of the Lord that shocks people and they go, oh my goodness, like what you got, I got to have. You know, it's like, that. that's where I think we've missed it is it's the gospel of salvation versus the gospel of the kingdom. And what happens is in, if it's just the gospel of salvation, then it becomes all about us. 
Once I'm saved, I'm good. Just stay away from the world. Don't get stained and encourage me. I need encouragement right now because otherwise I, I, I don't feel like uh, I'm, I'm doing anything or I, I feel like it's too hard. But when you go out and you, you actually do the kingdom and the kingdom is manifesting, you're, you're supernaturally encouraged. Because you're partnering with God. You're, doing, you're fulfilling his dream. And in the midst of fulfilling his dream, he makes your dream happen. Yeah. I, don't you think that so much gets lost? First of all, that's so good. <laughs> Everything that you said is just so good. I love the, uh, what you're sharing about that, the, the word apostle and that what the role of a Roman apostle was in that time. Um, because a lot gets lost in translation, especially when it comes yeah. to the word kingdom, right? Like when, when, the, when the Jews heard Jesus teach on the kingdom of God being at hand, that would have made a lot of sense to them because they lived in a kingdom dynamic yeah. versus we don't in the U.S. We don't have a king. We have a president. And the way that our president is allowed to function in rules and, 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 and the way that our, that our country operates would have been radically different. Yeah, it's a uh, democracy versus yeah. a kingdom mentality. Exactly. And so when it comes to the Jews hearing Jesus say the kingdom of God is at hand, that would have been wonderfully, that would have been so encouraging to them, especially mm -hmm. because of the oppression uh, that they were under, you know, uh, with, with the Roman oppression and all that, and then with Nero and just hearing yeah. the promise that the kingdom of God is at, is at hand. But immediately uh, the Jewish people uh, perceive that as being political. And right. I wonder if, if, if we're experiencing that same dynamic within the church um, today and this incredible tension where, we're, where, where, where we try to take these kingdom dynamics yeah. and then we, right now, especially with it being an election year, yeah. and we take all of these and, and that we are maybe falling into the same um, misunderstanding that the first century Jewish people uh, had when, they, when listening to Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And, and is it at this time that you're going to come in and kick all these Romans' butts, you know? Right. And just, and wanting to blend when we see that after Jesus died and resurrected, ascended, commissioned the apostles, yeah. they began running for their lives. People would get saved and then grab their family, pack their bags, go yeah. in the middle of the night to get, you know, just to, on the move because they were outlaws, you know? And so I, what, what I wonder what you think right now as far as the misunderstanding with, within the church and the very little understanding that we have within the church because I think that we, 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 we have a, a concept for Christianity and right. that we, we think that it's our role to go and Christianize everything, but right. we don't really have any concept <laughs> when it comes to kingdom right. and what Jesus was talking about. And so what are some other ways that you see right now as far as some, some shifts and transitions and, right. and, 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 and some temptations that you see within the church to fall into that place where we see our role is to, is to Christianize politics and that that is, the, that is the modern day strong right arm of God and how he wants to legislate morality, revival and such through. Yeah. And, um. You know, I'm going to flip the script a little bit. Like, right, we're going to have it. some Come fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe some religious people won't like this. All right, but good. that's okay. You know, I'm a big Marvel, uh, you know, guy as far as movies. Marvel and, comic books. And, you know, if you look at Thor Ragnarok, when, you okay. know, he, he he's comes from, you know, Thor is this, uh, this uh, guy whose his father's kingdom is up in the, you know, up in the heavens, and yeah, his father's yeah, yeah, job is yeah. to rule over the universe and protect all the realms. And what's interesting is in that movie, there's this uh, part where he's there with his brother Loki, and you know they're all distraught because their si their sister, who's like this wicked one, shows up and she wants to destroy Asgard. And then the father gives them this revelation. He says this. He goes, "Asgard is a people, not a place." Wow. 
And so we got to, and, and the end of the movie, Thor gets this revelation when they have to abandon the city because it's getting destroyed. And he realizes, wait, it's more important to save the people than this political thing, wow. this, this uh, power that was, then, uh, you know, uh, to, to save that it needs to, and it all fell apart, but Asgard lived on because Asgard was a people, not a political geo kingdom. That's good. And, That's and really what's good. interesting about that, uh, if you haven't seen that movie, you have to check it out to understand but there's many millennials that know what yeah, I'm talking about. Christian, Christian movie. But what, what I'm saying, though, is this, is that I think people think that the battle is politics. Listen, here's what I want to say to you is I don't serve a donkey or an elephant. I serve a lamb who gave himself <laughs> on. on a cross, uh, who shed his blood, who gave up his right to be right so that what? He could win all of us. He didn't die to save the geopolitical kingdoms of the earth. He died to save a people and to, uh, to actually uh, pull them out of the culture of the world and to give them kingdom mentality. And if you want to see how it works when it comes to kingdom, you have to understand understand that there's parables and there's different things that Jesus taught. One of the things he taught was about the leaven of the kingdom and, and the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And, you know, one of the most popular teachings right now out there is the seven mountain mandate. Yes. And I'm all for it. We've experienced it. I love, um, you know, seeing people influence the, the, the upper echelons of society. But I want to say something is it, it's arrogance to think that every nation on the planet is going to look like the West. You know, I've had guys that, it's so funny, I, I, I've had times where business guys will come to me and they'll go, so what do you do? And, you know, I'll start telling them, like, oh, I go to Pakistan and, you know, we feed the poor and, you know, we, we preach the gospel there on mass and we get people saved and, you know, and, and, and you know, they'll, they'll go, oh, okay, well, um, well what's your follow-up system, you know? And I'll, I'll tell them, we got a great follow-up system, you know, when we do the crusades, we actually target three different communities and we bus a thousand busloads of Muslims from those communities in. They're the first 50,000 people on the actual, you know, front lines of it in the city we're in and each night we get a harvest out of all those so we preach to 50,000 people intentionally a night it's 150,000 by the, the the third night and they have to get back on the bus to get back to where they go we get all their information they actually uh, plant several churches in those regions out of that so it's very good right and they go, well, you know, I just don't know. It just costs so much. And, uh, you know, we need to eradicate poverty. And I laugh at them. I go, you can eradicate poverty in India, bro? Like, you're thinking with a Western mindset, right, not with right, a kingdom right. mindset. Right. Because uh, I told them, I said, they go, they go, well, you need to build uh, massive, you know, structures for the mega churches there and the schools. And I go, dude, we're talking about the Middle East. Like, if we build a mega church, they will blow it up. And, 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 <laughs> it's a mega target. <laughs> and, and, and so people are just, they don't understand, though. They right, don't think right. kingdom. They think right. Western. Right. And, and so, to me, I, I kind of laugh at those guys because they go, you know, we, uh, we really don't think we can sow into that. And I go, oh, that's really funny because I never asked you to sow anything. You came to me. Remember that? And, 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 you know, and they're like, but this isn't seven mountains. I go, how is it not seven mountains, dude? I prophesied to the prime minister. I prophesied to the, um, you know, uh, those in royalty. We prophesied to the highest level businessman. They're getting saved. And not only that, if you understand the way that Jesus talked, here's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And a little bit of that leaven will leaven the whole lump. So here's the deal. If we get people saved in nations that are, you know, um, that, that are in darkness, then even if they got marked, that leaven starts to rise and it starts to shift the atmosphere of those countries. And, you know, we've seen 
Uh, we've seen nations like Peru. We started going to Peru um, 15 years ago. We've done 20, 20 cities in Peru, crusades. And when we went, man, at first, back in the day, it was pretty hostile. Some of them, because it was all Catholic. They didn't believe in the, the signs and wonders. They didn't want you to preach Jesus. And then it was witchcraft on the other side. And after going 20 trips and seeing God move in power and all the stuff, it's amazing because a lot of the the pastors now of the churches we work with were young kids in the crusade that got touched by God and now the culture shifted. They believe in kingdom, they believe in miracles, they believe in signs and wonders. Now they're birthing businesses and, and so it, we're talking a, a microwave mentality of like it has to be done this way, seven mountain mindset or how about the leaven of the kingdom starts changing nations as time goes on and people are bold enough to bring Jesus and to release him and all of a sudden infrastructures can change and it's not just the west or like it's not just uh, you know uh, the rich people from the west going in and changing the structure i remember when we first went to uh, to peru we paid for everything I, we went one of the last times and they paid for everything and i was like are you guys sure that that's okay? And I had to change the way that I thought because the pastor said, we're not poor anymore. And I said, what? He goes, we learned to sow and reap. And guess what? We got, we got uh, these guys in our church that are now millionaires and they'll fund all the crusades. And I'm like, praise God. <laughs> yeah. But see how it shifted? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, I'm talking mainly about, you know, missions. I'm talking mainly about the, the, the well, nations. The Seven Mountains mandate was not, you know, um, as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you know the history of it better than I do, but that, that was not a revelation to Lance Wall now originally. That Lance Wall now was able to take that and really begin to run with it. Right. But I under, the way I understand it is that the Seven Mountains mandate was originally part of a strategy given to Lauren Cunningham. Yeah. And it was, and it, it was for the purpose of not just bringing influence within a culture, it was for the purpose of, of, of missionaries. Right. And so it was a missionary strategy. How do we send missionaries into media right. education? Because if you're thinking of uh, being a school teacher and being a, a missional school teacher, how do I integrate right. the gospel into my right. mathematics or history right. versus how do I just um, bring reform to yeah, yeah. an educational system? So I think that's, that's important. I think that's a very important detail yeah. is that we is that uh, influence in and of itself means very little right. if, if we're not gospel centric and, right. and radically uh, and have a radical fierce commitment um, to missions. In fact, it could be quite dangerous. Uh, you know, right. I'd say, the other thing that's kind of interesting is the, 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 that the word reformation is trending right now right. In, our, in our stream. Right. But never have we ever in church history ever seen reformers lust after the title of a reformer. It was, right. you know, when you look at the Great Reformation and the, the split from the Protestant church from the Catholic church, there was, no, there was no desire for a great reformation. There was a desire for theological truth right. and for there to be integrity restored right. to, to the gospel. So I think that sometimes that when we say reformation, we're, we're saying nothing at all. <laughs> we're, we, you know, it, it, because uh, the ref, true reformers have a very specific win. Yep. And just to say reformation is, is far too generic. 
that mm-hmm. that that, that no, there's no there's not a fire burning in people's hearts for reformation because right. it's too it's too generic. But there could be a fire burning in your heart to see integrity restored to a specific kind of uh, of an area. Yeah. And so I I fear that our pursuit. I, I've heard this a lot. Of I'm not into revival. I'm into reformation. Right. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. But the problem is, is that what we do is we begin to separate the presence from the purpose of God, yep. what He wants to do yep. um, on the earth. And, um, and so when you look at, like, Charles Parham, when you look at um, Evan Roberts, and when you look at these revivalists that brought incredible reform to the church and the culture, yeah. Reformation in and of itself was never, was never the goal. Right. The presence, the, the uncompromised, like hosting mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord and uncompromising, <laughs> that, was the, that was the win. Yeah. And that's part of our desire with this week, this week of awakening. Sure. Is, is that there would be a hunger stirred up in our hearts again, that we as a region would say, like, like let's, let's just take all the generic wins off. The, the, the win is his presence. The win mm-hmm. is his personhood in the midst of us and his heart yep. being downloaded. So I th- and I also think it's somewhat generational because I just think that within the hearts of young people, you, you, you start talking about Seven Mountains and their eyes kind of glaze over. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't turn them on. Yeah, they don't really understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But you start, talking about, you start talking about the presence of the Lord. You start talking about the miracles of God. You start talking about revival history. And that is, there's, such, there's, such, there's such a, because t- it takes us back to Acts. It takes yeah. us back, it's a portal. And it's like, we, we want that. The younger you go with, with, with the generations, it's like, they, they don't care about influence in and of itself because they already have it. Yeah. You know, you talk to these 13-year-olds with a YouTube following of 2.5 million. They're making more money than their parents' incomes right. combined. Like, you know, they don't, they don't influence is, is, is easy to come by. But this, the raw, supernatural power of right. a living God is what young people are, are craving right now. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, first of all, I want to say that I really do honor Lance Walnow and Johnny Enlow and some of the guys... Oh, that are forerunners that are are trumpeting that message, and I believe that they've opened up some wineskins and uh, you know some some stuff laid some foundations that definitely are changing the way that a lot of people think. Uh, you know, I think when it comes to revival and reformation, it's not one or the other; it's both. Mm. And I don't think you can actually separate them. And one of the things that I think we have to recognize is that traditionally, reformation has never been for the world; it's been for the church. And if you look at that, Martin Luther in the Reformation that happened, you know, when he nailed the thesis to the yeah, the right. door, that was a reformation of the word of God, which then released, you know, uh, an impartation of identity into uh, the church, and then the church rose up. And and you know, you can look at uh, Azusa Street, you know, with uh, way, you right? know, with Frank Bartleman, William J. Seymour, uh, you know, all the stuff that happened there. It was a reformation of the Holy Spirit, and and what happen is that was a reformation that happened in the church and unlocked the power of the spirit in the church and then enabled them to reach and change the world around them and so here's where I think we got to be careful and I've seen this with many groups is that they're trying to reform an orphan system which actually is broken it can't be reformed it needs to be replaced and so what happens is we have people that are trying to let's just throw the government out there there I've known some people that have had voice with a prime minister 
minister, and they've met with them and had a voice with them. It's it's kind of like right now. There's an open door to the Oval Office with you can see you know Bishop Harry Jackson in there. You can see uh, you know a, a bunch of the prophets and and a bunch of uh, different ministries that you know have the access to Donald Trump and the the White House and um, and and there's there's an openness to the gospel. And it's not like that in every pres- presidency. But uh, but what what I want to say is this is that I've had friends that have had voice like that into uh, into governments and for a season while that specific person is in office there's a lot of change and everything that happens and they're they're like reformation is here it's happening and then the next guy comes in and all of it dies because he's opposite and it shifts back to darkness where everybody's now confused and their hope deferred and what happens is we don't see things in a way of of, um, times and seasons to do things rather than reformation you know I mean, and, and so to me, reformation looks like God releases revival, refreshes a generation, puts a blueprint on the inside of someone. Then someone gets a model that makes the world jealous and goes, that's so much greater. It's kind of like Uber and it's like Lyft, right? Whoever got the idea for those apps, it transformed the taxi community or well, it actually crushed the taxi community, but it transformed the transportation community because now someone got an idea that was better than like, is there a yellow page somewhere? that I can find a, a phone number to the cab? Like if you're not in New York City where they're every block, you know, like where are you going to find a cab in the middle of Colorado where I grew up, dude? You know, right, right, There's right. horses and this and that, but it's like, uh, but, but what I'm saying though is that I believe God wants to, through revival, give people creative ideas like that, that they can become a new model that models something at a higher sufficiency with more finances, with more breakthrough, and then the world goes, that's what we want right there. It's kind of like Facebook. They buy anything that's in, that's that's amazing and could compete with them. They just go, oh, Instagram. Oh, oh wow, you guys are competing with it. We'll just buy you. You know, it's like, right, right. And, and, and so I, I really think that we have to begin to produce Holy Ghost uh, ideas from heaven, the culture of the kingdom, and begin to bring new systems that work better, show the world that, then they'll begin to adopt that system, then it becomes reform. Then it becomes change because the principles behind it are different. And, you know, my wife is in the entertainment industry. She's been in, you know, many runway shows. I mean, you know, she she's walked the runways in, you know, China Fashion, in Shanghai Fashion Week, London, Paris, uh, you know, Portugal for um, some of the biggest shows all over England, um, L.A., you know, New York, just whatever um, are some of the biggest shows, you know, the Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival. And when she goes, she'll she'll walk and people like Vogue or the ones that are covering the whole thing or she's been in Harper Bazaar and Elle magazine. And, and so if you want to talk about somebody who's dancing on the top of the mountains and seeing the influence with it, you know, in my own household, totally, we have this totally, going on, you know. Totally. And, and my wife at the same time is a full-on revivalist, you know. Absolutely. And what's amazing about it is I watch her and she's so on fire for God. Like she just wants to know Jesus and she could care less about what anybody in the entertainment industry thinks about her. And I know that's why God's given her this this open door. And see, a lot of people want to go in and do stuff, but the reality is they're not strong enough in the spirit to handle wow, it. That's right. And so my wife will go in, they'll tell her, hey, we want you to wear this dress. And then she'll look at it and go, this is like see-through, I ain't doing it. And they'll yeah. go, but you're working for us. And she goes, I don't care about your money. Like I'm a Christian, I'm not going to compromise. And, and she'll say, you know, I think it's pretty weird that you 
you want to make me uh, stumble and, and, and you don't like my morals. And then they back up and go, whoa, 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 okay, we're sorry. Like, uh, we'll, we'll find something you can wear. Just calm down. And she's not even really that mad, you know? Yeah, right, right. And then afterwards, they talk to her. We're like, we really, we really love you. And, and would you come back? Because we like people that have standards. Wow. Even wow, the world wow, is looking wow. for that. You that's know what right, I mean? That's right. and, but, but my wife has gotten makeup artists, producers, um, you know, designers of entire lines saved healed delivered awesome. prophesied you know and that's awesome and seen where where god is is shifted so much and and she's doing that though as a revivalist that's going into a culture and what's uh, what's happening is that is not actually what's reforming anything here's where the reforming comes it's the girls watching miranda wow it's the young girls who are 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old models that don't know who they are yet, but they're beautiful, and they've got talent, and they get brought into this industry, and they're just told it's all about money and this and that. And some of them do have Christian roots, and they're kind of struggling. Am I like, I don't know what to do, but I want to I be famous and get the jobs, and, but I don't want to compromise. But they end up compromising because their faith isn't strong enough. Those same ones will see my wife go, I ain't wearing that. And then they'll go, I didn't know we could say no. And she'll go, come on, girl, have some standards. Like, you got to, yeah, listen, you're, you're a Christian. You, you can't be, you know, giving away the goods that's saved for a man for your marriage, you know, one day just for some camera, for some money. And, and they get hit and they go, you're right, I ain't going to compromise either. And so she's mothering these young ones. That's where the Reformation is going to come. And you can actually see it happening now, though is because of people like Miranda and others. She's not the only one. There's many. But uh, now we have, uh, where do you think this Me Too thing has come from? Where do you think that all of the injustice and corruption being exposed uh, in the world with government, with, with uh, you know producers and actors, and you have women that are coming out all over the place saying that they were pretty much raped or they were pretty much forced into doing things just to get the influence. And see, all that stuff was hidden until some kingdom agents went in there started what releasing the leaven of the kingdom and now the devil can't hide it gets exposed wow see wow. this is wow. what reformation That's and awesome. revival looks like but Come you on. don't get the reformation unless you're strong in the lord in the power of his might in his spirit you're not compromising and you don't care what anybody thinks but you're living for an audience of one Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. That's so good. See, and I, I, I think that this is the way this stuff should look. You know, a lot of people, Darren, have theory. It's true. They totally. have a whole lot of theory, but not a lot of fruit. And, and, and one of the things that we have to also be careful about, I think this is a very important point that we have to bring up when we're talking about this mandate, the Seven Mountaintop Mandate. You know, Bill Bright is actually one of the guys as well as Lauren Cunningham, and it was all based out of evangelism. And, and, but but here's, uh, here's one of the things we have to be careful of, is we got to be careful that as leaders in the church um, and as toting this message of mountaintops, we don't create a gospel of elitism. Mm. We don't create a culture of elitism where you're only important if you come before the mayor, the governor, the uh, you know the movie star, because then you cause striving in a whole generation that feel like they're not anything. If they're you know, uh, what about the local business guy who owns the Seven Eleven down the street, who's doing his best to pay the rent for the building and 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 to feed his family, and he's working overtime all the time, and 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 you know uh, he's saved and he's going, man. 
I want to do great things for God. And, you know, uh, he feels terrible because he's not meeting with the president. You know, it's like, uh, but yet people come into his store and get touched and he can minister to them and, and, and love on them. And it's like, we got to make sure that we don't idol we don't put, uh, you know, uh, certain aspects of influence in idolatry so that we put hope deferred in a whole generation. Man, that's so good. Because the reality is, uh, I, you know, one of my spiritual fathers says this all the time about ministry. That's Cheon, uh, Papa Cheon. You know, when he goes to Bethel and he preaches or he goes to his school, or I've been in seminaries or, or even churches where he's preaching to supernatural schools, he opens up with a statement that stings him so hard. You know, because he'll get up and he'll go, listen, guys, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but only, you know, 2% of the body of Christ is called to full-time itinerant ministry. And he'll say, the beautiful news is 98% is called to reach the world. And he'll say, you know what, the, but, but those of you that are called to full-time ministry, there's a grace for that, but it's, it, it, the grace is to serve people. But then it, I want to flip that. There, listen, I, I think it'd probably be a higher percentage for those that are called for the upper echelons, but it might only be 10%. So why are we yoking 90% of the, of, of the church who won't be with a wow. prime minister, wow. who won't be with the mayor, who won't be? And, and, and we're saying to them, like, you're not really doing anything that big unless you're over here when actually the biggest thing you can do is share Jesus with everybody you come in contact with. That's right. That's right. That's See, right. Jesus never uh, laid hands on the 70 and said, don't go to the normal people, only go to the influential ones. Right. That's not the kingdom. No. See, it's God's will that none should perish and that all should be saved, right? But, but a lot of times we pick and choose who we want to preach to. But how many know the true culture of the kingdom is I'm so madly in love with Jesus that I want to tell everybody about him because he's that good. Yeah, it's so good. And that's such a great point, too. I mean, you look at um, the, the ministry model of Jesus and who he, who he recruited, right? Like the guys that he decided would be the pillars of of the of the Christian Church of Jesus Christ, you know, yeah. and then all the way down to the people that Jesus actually met with and spent time with, you know, people like Zacchaeus, people like the you know the woman at the well, right? Like these were not yep. every society has has powerful <laughs> figures, every society has yeah. heroes, but they're outcasts. Know. Yeah, you know, but like Jesus didn't like seek after the heroes. Like even the first century Jerusalem probably had grocery stores with magazine racks. And famous people on their, on their, uh, you know, and yet you look at the people that Jesus really pursued. In fact, when Jesus came before Herod, he said nothing to him. <laughs> right. Nothing at all. Right, right, right. And, yeah. and you know, that, that's part of, I think, we got to learn from Jesus. That's right. That's you know, right. And, that's and part of that is Jesus warmed against the leaven of the, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And, you know, the leaven of the Pharisees is religion, and it's people that talk down the Holy Spirit. It's people that talk down the power of God. They say it's died off, we don't need it. You know, it's just all about rules and regulations. And, but the, the leaven of Herod, Herod was the guy that chopped the head of John the Baptist off. And, you know, John the Baptist represents the spirit of repentance. And, you know, why did Herod chop the head of John the Baptist off? He really didn't want to do it, but there was political pressure because at the king's birthday, all his uh, political uh, allies were there, his friends, and they were drinking a little too much. And then Herodias, his daughter, came and did a dance that pleased the king. He said, take up to half of the kingdom, whatever you want. Uh, she went and asked her mother, you know, what do I ask for? She said, the head of John the Baptist, because she didn't like that spirit of conviction that he brought 
God, when, you know, they were at the river when everybody's getting baptized, when he said to Herod, it's not right for you to have your, your brother's wife. And, 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 and she hated the, the voice of repentance. And, and so when he cut the head of repentance off because of the entertainment spirit and the political pressure, then when Jesus came, he's the only man that never uh, got any word out of Jesus. Jesus never said a thing to Herod, and here's what I believe it is. When you cut the head of repentance off and you put your hope in politics and the entertainment industry, Jesus has nothing to say to you. Wow. Wow. And, and wow. so there's a whole generation right now, hope deferred, because they've, all they're doing is watching CNN, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and the, uh, the entertainment industry is pumping them full of all of this false stuff that is not going to bring satisfaction, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the, you know, all, all of the things that, that distract and hinder. And so I, I believe we're in a season right now where God wants us to go after the leaven of the kingdom. Which leaven, by the way, is a, a fungi, and when it's added into the yeast, it causes it to rise. Uh, and 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 so, what God's looking for is a generation who go after the mandate of the kingdom, go into the world and preach the good news of the kingdom to all creation. And and, and those who are, you know, those who believe will be saved; those who do not will be uh, damned. And 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 you know, uh, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils; they'll speak in new tongues; they'll lay their hands on the sick; they will recover. This is the simple gospel. It's the simple gospel. And for some people, it's too simple. Like, they're like, that's it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I laugh because, you know, guys, they, they, they get arrogant about, you know, uh, the, the gospel. Uh, you know, they'll say stuff like, you know, like, well, you know what, man? We need to reform society, not just go after souls. And I'm like, um, what are you going to do when you come before Jesus one day? Are you going to be like, Lord, I, I built you 19 buildings. Or, Lord, I reached as many people as I could for you, and souls are now uh, saved for all of eternity. What's more valuable in his eyes? Wow. And I'm not wow. knocking building buildings and all the other stuff. I, I really hope that I don't feel or, or seem like I have a critical heart, but I just think that there's a, a difference between actually doing this stuff and projecting it as a vision. And we're in a generation where the, the, the generation of Z and millennial, these guys actually do have influence, a lot of them. And, and, and God has given some of the greatest gifts and talents to them. And as an older generation, uh, you know, uh, me and you, Darren, we're, we're not exactly the young bucks anymore. You know, like, kinda, I, I kind of... Sort of. Well, here's kinda. the reality. Yeah, is, is that yeah. we're Don't take Isaac. that from me, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> no, I just don't take my youth from me. But we're, we're Isaac. You know, there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. And you know what? We've been Jacobs for a long time before, uh, but I started at 23 years old, you know, wow. traveling wow. the world. Wow. By the time I was wow. 26, we were seeing hundreds of thousands of people saved in crusades, and I'd been to 30 nations, you know, and, and then the 30s came, and now I'm 40, and, you know. Happy it's, birthday, too. Thank you, man. Yeah. And, and it's, it's awkward a little bit because all my young guys call me the old man. And then all the old guys call me the young man, right, you know, and right, I'm like, right. what am I? Am I old? Am I young? Like, what is, you right, know, right. but the reality is Isaac, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But Isaac is a bridge generation. 
who bridges together the older and the younger and brings them together like family and, 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 and begins to see the mobilization of what God wants to do and the promises of God. And so I believe that we've got a good, uh, you know, we've got a good 10, 15 years as Isaacs to birth a new model and to bring revelation to the older and to the younger, to bring them together and even to honor those that have gone before us and even to impart and activate those that are coming up. And, and, and so I, I think that we have a we have a tall order uh, to fulfill, but at the same time, if we lean on the Holy Spirit and we lean on God's love and His wisdom and a whole lot of uh, gospel, I think we can shift everything. That's so good. That is so good. This thing of like what we're talking about influence and seeking after places of influence or seeking after people of influence, um, and that uh, and that and that there's kind of this hierarchy of influence and that the influence determines your level of importance. That's not biblical. That's not gospel. But that permeates kind of our subconscious yeah. kind of context. And it, ties, and it ties into this conversation that you and I had just recently where the Lord spoke to you as, as a young man regarding hero worship. Yeah. And certainly you see hero worship within within the culture, kind of. And, you know, there's hero worship and then hero exposure. Yeah. Because there's something about the culture that loves to worship heroes, but they also love to see heroes fall. They love to celebrate the, the, the humanness of what was a hero. When yeah. a hero that was just flawless all of a sudden falls on their face, the culture's like, ha, ha, ha. So there's this part of, like, esteem, and then and, and yet this subconscious kind of jealousy that where it's like, all right, let's, also, let's celebrate them while they're ahead. But when they fall, yes. Right. Almost, we as a race almost feel like we've been, we've been elevated above a hero that's just fallen. Right. And you do see that dynamic within the church where you see an, uh, uh, heroes that get elevated. But sometimes in the life of a young person or somebody that's newly saved, where the Lord uses a person to really transform the life of the individual. Right. And then we see heroes in the church fall. And we see uh, our frailty or our humanity right. all of a sudden come into the light and there's exposure. And, um, and, and being a young man coming into this ministry context at 23 years old, you've been around a while and you've run with a lot of people and you've seen heroes rise and you've seen heroes fall. And I've, I've seen young men where, where somebody fell and it cost them their own faith or like, yeah. it, you know, with me as a young man, it was, it, was, it was elevating my own parents into this place of being a hero. And then when I got to see the humanness and the fractionness right. of my own parents, <clears throat> that cost me my own, my own faith for sure. a time. And so like, Jeremy, how have you been able to do this? Like, how, how have you been able, because I know when you got saved, it's not like you immediately stepped into this place of mature, like radical maturity. Right. So how have you been able to, to navigate and, and to have trust right. and honor? And yet when, when people have failed you, um, how have you been able to, to just keep the right perspective and the right mindset? Sure. And, and how, how, did, how did that impact you? Sure. Um, first of all, let me just bring a little definition to hero worship. And, uh, you know, one of my spiritual papas is Bobby Connor. And, uh, you know, I met Bobby at a conference. He walked right up to me and said, hey, boy, how'd you like to travel the world? I mean, God says, you're a young eagle and I'm supposed to mentor you, you know. And so I was shocked. I started traveling with Bobby. And, uh, you know, this was right before I was launched into ministry. 
And uh, I remember traveling with him. There'd be nights that he was tired, you know, and he would he would announce at the conference. We'd be in like Holland, and he would be like, "Well, I'm gonna go now." But Jeremy's gonna prophesy over everybody in this room, and I'd be like, <laughs> "What?" You know, like, and and then he'd whisper in my ear, "That's your training, boy," and then he would leave, you know. And I'd be prophesying, and then I would get to like someone. And their, their their friends are like trying to encourage them, like, "Come on, go up there and get a word." This guy's he he'll read your mail, you know. And then I go up there, and they go, "I don't want a word from you." And I go, "What?" And they go, "You're not Bobby Connor." And I said, "What?" They go, "I traveled eight hours for Bobby Connor. I'm not I'm not settling for second rate." <laughs> and I would just be like, "Whoa, what did I do to you?" You know, and 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 they'd be like, "If the man of God ain't praying for me, then I ain't doing it." And they would storm out, and you know, I would go home and be like, "Man, what a jerk!" Like that's what I thought in my head. Like, but but what the reality is is this: is that you know sometimes we exalt people to a place where we don't realize that you know God can use the the big minister but he can use the nobody as much as the big minister if because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of us and when God wants to do something he can use any vessel that's open wow. and and so that was when I first got exposed to hero worship because I got about 20 rejections you know cuz Bobby would always tell me like, you know, someone would come running and he'd be like, I don't want to pray for my mouth, you know, because he's tired. We've been traveling for hours and then I'd be there and they would argue with me about how, you know, I'm not good enough and this and that. And, and, uh, and, and so uh, with that, you know, I, I learned at a young age that, uh, you know, we, we got to be careful not to exalt the leadership, um, you know, into a place of idolatry because it's all about Jesus. Wow. Wow. And, 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 you know, I, I, I learned at that time that, you know, Bobby is a great papa, you know, and, and he would tell me uh, stuff like he, he would say, boy, he goes, if you can learn to honor Jesus inside of people, then you can learn to receive what's on the inside of them. But he said, the minute you exalt them over Jesus, you shut that gift down. Wow. And, 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 you know, he would teach me that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, he would share that with me when he would see the hero worship. And then he would go, yep, that guy, that young man's worshiping his pastor, you know, and I'd be like, wow. And, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it might sound a little extreme, but it happens where people put their hope in a man. And now let's get to the part where people fall. And if you've put more hope into a man and you've got hero worship going on, see, there's a big difference between what Paul the Apostle said. You know, Paul the Apostle said, uh, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Or he said that our lives would be a living epistle. And, you know, he said, follow me as I follow Christ so that Christ might be formed in you, right? He wasn't saying follow me. He was saying follow Christ. And, and follow the Christ that's in him. And when you see the fruits of that, it's an example to you of how much of God you can have if you develop the same intimacy and the same relationship. And so sometimes instead of going after the intimacy side, we actually exalt the gift as if totally. the, nobody else could get to that level because uh, it could be the fault of the religious system because sometimes people are presented as untouchable. You know, and, and, and I've, I've been... Uh, I've been in a, a few ministries. I mean, the first ministry I was with was one of the biggest evangelistic ministries on the planet at the time. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people getting saved. Uh, you know, miracle signs and wonders, the prophetic. And, and uh, you know, my first mentor fell in the, the middle of revival worldwide. And, you know, it was uh, disheartening. I was 27 when, you know, uh, the fall happened. And all I watched in our culture all the prophetic words, all the dreams, everything that we were going.
going after, it all fell apart in one day, just destroyed. Wow. And, wow. And, and I'll never forget, you know, uh, really, you, you know, you need papas in your life. I'll never forget being just with Bob Jones. And Bob looked at me and he said, boy, he said, you know what your goal is in life right now? And I said, what? He said, your goal is to stay unoffended and to love God. And I said, what do you mean, Bob? And he said, son, if the, if, the, if the devil can get you offended, he can rob you of your anointing inheritance, <laughs> the inheritance that you've received, even from being with this ministry. He goes, you got a double portion of it. And he said, no man can take it, but you can give it up. Oh. And I said, Bob, what do you mean? He said, listen, every man has flesh and sometimes people make dumb mistakes, but Jesus Christ is the same today as yesterday and forever. Wow. He never changes. Wow. He said, God knew you were going to be with this ministry and they were going to have a fall. He said, it's so that you could receive wisdom in what not to do for your future so you don't make the same mistakes. Amen. And literally because I had good dads in my life. That's incredible. Like Bob and Bobby, Connor, and you know, even like Patricia King and uh, you know, some, some of the others that I had that God gave me real favor. You know, I, I had these prophets in my life because I was called to be a prophet. He, he gave me these uh, Papa and Mama prophets. And, and literally the way that I got through those seasons of hardship was that I had to have the, the, the ones that were my mentors and, and pops and moms. I had to be open to hear the counsel and to go, okay, you know, have the humility to, to just go, uh, tell me what you, what you see from the Lord and I'll follow it. And some of it was, you know, it was hard. And at the same time, that's only one side of the coin. The, I think the greatest key in everything, even more than having mentors, moms and dads, even more than church, all that stuff is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. And, you know, here's the thing is that Jesus said this to his disciples. It's better for you that I go, that I leave this place. Because if I do, the promise of the Father will come to you, the Holy Spirit. But then he goes, I will not leave you as orphans. That's right. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God will be a father to the fatherless. And so when my mentor fell and it went crazy, I'm telling you, I think two-thirds of my schedule, I was an itinerant, fully booked out for a year, two-thirds of my schedule was instantly canceled, and it wasn't even my fault. You know what I mean? It was wow. like, I didn't do anything wow. wrong. And, and, but because of the, uh, the, the fall with uh, my, my mentor and father at that time, it, I was lumped in. You know what I mean? Wow. And, right. But what was amazing is these pops and moms grabbed me, brought me to all their conferences, and, and helped me through it. But the one thing the Lord challenged me with was this. Is he, he said to me, he said, son, he goes, you got to have a spirit of honor. Wow. He said, wow. you got to learn to have a spirit of honor. He said, remember Noah and remember his sons. Remember Ham when, when Noah came right off the boat. I mean, listen, this is bizarre, right? He's on the, the Lord puts all the animals on the boat with Noah and he's like safe from the storm. Everybody drowns. And then all of a sudden the day comes where the dove comes back with, you know, uh, with the evidence that, that something's happened. And then the dove doesn't come back. They go out. And the very first thing Noah does is get drunk. It's like, wait, what? You know, and, and when he gets drunk, it, you know, his son Ham sees him in the tent, you know, uh, laying there naked. Yeah, and in, drunk and, and naked. You know, drunk and naked. I mean, this is a bad situation, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. And, and so then, you know, Ham uh, stares at him and makes fun of him and, you know, is like uh, mocking. And, and then uh, you see the other two boys come in with a sheet and they won't even look upon the nakedness of their father. They start backing up and they start wow. putting the sheet over wow. him and, and they honor him. And, and here's the crazy thing is, you know, a little bit of flesh was exposed and one got disqualified in life, but the other two got blessed. And what, wow. what, what Ham didn't understand was his dad was a prophet. There was an anointing on his life. Wow. And you know what? He had a moment where he messed up. 
And I'm not giving any excuse for things like adultery or, I, or, or, or some of these falls that happen. Uh, listen, that, I'm not saying that's okay. I, I'm just being really clear. But what I am saying is sometimes uh, good people make mistakes, and, and leaders especially. And, and, and so what's interesting is when it came to the day that Noah blessed his sons, he blessed his, his two sons with great inheritance. See, in the mouth of Noah was a creative gift of faith that God had placed as a prophet that whatever he spoke was going to come to pass. And you know what happened? The two boys got their double portion and were over the Semitic tribes and over the European tribes. But when it came to Ham, because of what he did in dishonor, that spirit of dishonor, Noah, when he went to prophesy over him, he said, Ham, cursed be your son Cain. See, what he did came on the next generation. Wow out of a dishonoring spirit. And so I'm telling you, if you get around people, I don't care who you are, just get around yourself. Pretty soon you're going to see some flesh. That's right, that's right, that's right. And, 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 and uh, again, I, I think we got to have no compromise, no tolerance. Listen, I, I used to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. I'll never touch drugs or alcohol again, not even flirt with it, not even a sip. People can call me religious all they want. I've been set free. That's my that's standard. Right, that's right, that's I'm right. not holding everybody to that, but that's wisdom that's right, for me. That's right. You know, and, and, and so... The, the thing is, I, I, I'm, I'm all about the purity and I'm all about the righteousness with yeah. God, but I'm not a Pharisee. Right. And I also recognize something. When someone's got the anointing on their life, uh, listen, even if I, can't, if I can't honor the person, I'll honor the office. Wow. I'll honor the anointing. That's, I have met so many prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers, and they said stuff that I was just like, oh, like it got me on the inside. And, and, and when, when I went in the back room and, you know, they, they, they said, what do you think? You know, and, and, and I, I asked the Lord, what do I say? And he said, honor them. And I, I have no other reason to honor them except for they're a prophet. I have no other reason to honor them except for they've done great things in God. I don't agree with anything you just said, but you know what? I'm going to remain in a spirit of honor and I'm going to totally sit there and eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. And when I leave from that place, I'm going to, I'm going to learn not to ever do that. But at the same time, uh, there, there's an honor spirit. There's a spirit of honor that, that enables me to continue to walk in what I walk in and have favor to meet more leaders, to connect with people, to have trust from God. And sometimes he'll He'll put you in the midst of people that are messed up on purpose to see if he can entrust you with double. And, and, and when he finds someone who will honor instead of dishonor, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many people came to me, Darren, after, you know, uh, after my, my original mentor fell and were trying to dig dirt. You know, like, hey, you were close. What did you see? And I would just tell them, hey, guys, like, you know what? He's in a restoration process with so and so. Go talk to them. Like I'm not, I'm not their keeper. Um, I, I, I just am so thankful that you know I got the impartation. I got to travel the world. I've got a worldwide ministry platform, and I'm not going to throw stones right now. And I'm not in agreement with what happened. Uh, I agree it was messed up, but guess what, guys? Father God's the judge, not me. Wow. And that was my heart posture. And that's how it's been ever since. And you know what? I really do truly believe I'm walking in the double and I'm walking in a lot of what I was doing back then. We're seeing it manifest now with revival, with souls, with uh, the nations, the finances to do it, you know. And I think the biggest uh, hook of the enemy is this, is pride comes before the fall. Amen. And so if the devil can get you to become prideful about your flesh, Right? If he can get you to think you're a little better than someone else, he can wow. pull you down. Wow. And that's why we have to remember that ministry 
in a nutshell is this. Jesus Christ came to serve and not be served. And if we understand that, then that means that when it comes to working with leaders that we are excited about and we look up to as mentors and friends and papas and moms or, or maybe it's a peer to you but someone who's awesome in Christ then we can honor them and we can honor that right uh, but but listen when it comes to something's messed up here's the deal uh, maybe your job is actually to serve them to help them be restored to help them uh, and and you know what sometimes God might tell you hey I've, I've had I have crazy discernment because of what I've gone through. Yeah. I've had five or six, seven people that I've seen fall into the same thing as my original mentor. And I told, you know, I called it out beforehand. And there's been a couple times when the Lord told me, go and talk to them about it. And he said that, you know, I want you to share your heart with them and give them a warning prophetically. And you know what? Those were never situations, though, where I came out of pride and arrogance. It was out of lowliness and humility that you come and almost weeping for them and uh, you know, and just saying, hey, I got this concern for you, man. I love you so much, and that's why I got to share this with you. And it's hard for me to even tell you this, but this is what I see. And you know what is amazing is there's been some that were, I, I saw two marriages restored completely that uh, that could have fallen apart, that's major awesome. worldwide awesome. ministries awesome. that every one of us would know their names awesome. if uh, you understood what happened because of the warning of the Lord. But also I've seen many times where the Lord goes, it's not your place. You don't have relationship to speak into that, but but keep them in prayer. And then what I don't go do is gossip about what I know. You know what I mean? But you pray and you intercede. And anyway, I hope that's what you're asking me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's so helpful. That's huge. And hoping also that when people are listening to this, if they are still carrying disappointment from a hero that let yeah. them down in the past, that some of what you've shared today would give them just some practical tools to be able to get unhooked from some of that soul trauma and that place of your feeling just radically let down by not just the person, but this the, the lie that the enemy brings that this person let you down, and that's basically God letting you down. Like this person right. failed you, so that's as good as God failing you. And, and if a leader that you trusted let you down before, you really can't trust any leader yeah. ever well, again. Well, you know what's interesting? Just kind of the times and seasons yeah, we're in yeah. and talking about like what we're talking about. Uh, you know, dishonor is something that's so popular in this generation right now. It's like the more dishonoring you are, the bigger your voice is. Right. You know, it's like if you want to, if you want to get more followers and more comments and more on your social media, just, just start beating on someone or just start <laughs> right. saying something like uh, with your words, you right. know what I mean? Just attack. And, and, and everybody seems to, ah, you know, it starts this big frenzy, but here's the reality. You know, um, it's very interesting. Look at what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with government. We're dealing with racism. We're dealing with, uh, uh, you know, things politically, things spiritually. And, you know, I've been praying, Lord, like what's going on? And it just seems like there's so much dishonor. People are burning buildings down and doing this and destroying that. And you know, and and, and I get it because people are fed up. They want uh, they want justice. And, and and I even think there's a whole bunch of people that are just using people in the name of justice to destroy things as well. But you know, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what is this? And He said, The devil has launched a, a spirit of dishonor into a generation, and he's thriving because here's what the Bible says. It says that the root of offense will defile the whole body. Wow. And one of the things wow. God's been speaking to me about is, is Moses. 
You know, in Numbers 12, Moses, uh, you know, uh, he has this interesting thing that happens because he ends up marrying an Ethiopian woman and his siblings, uh, Miriam and Aaron, get upset about it. Like, they're mad that he actually married an Ethiopian woman. You know, and it's like, because she's of another race. You can mm-hmm. just see this in our day. It's like, people get upset about, you know, uh, people are racist. And, and, and you know what happens is that all of a sudden, uh, they, they, they also get jealous of his influence and his office and, you know, what he's doing. And then they, they, they start, like, talking out loud to one another. You know, going, well, aren't we prophets too? And, you know, like, we prophesy. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says God heard what they said. Listen, God hears everything. And, and then this uh, weird thing happens. God speaks to Moses and says, hey, I want you to call your brother-in-law, uh, and, or no, your brother and your sister, you know, and bring them to the door of the, the, the tabernacle. And he said, I want to meet with them. Listen, God was so upset that he was like, listen, I'm coming out of the third level back here that the priest is only supposed to visit once a year. Least they die. This has upset me so much. I'm going to confront this myself. And you know what ends up happening is Miriam gets leprosy she's uh, acting out in racism and she gets turned um, white with leprosy I think it's kind of crazy and then you know Moses goes wait a minute wait a minute like God you can't kill my sister like please you know and 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 he shows up to them and he goes he says this he he, this is what the lack of honor does he says to uh, Miriam and Aaron he goes you know uh, if I speak to a prophet among you I speak in dreams visions Mm -hmm. uh, dark speech starts saying but not so of my servant Moses for he's a friend of God I speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant? So we got to recognize That's authority right. on people's lives That's right. That's right. And, 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 you know, anointing. But here's what's crazy about it is that God tells, um, so Moses goes, uh, you know, God, please, you can't kill my sister. Like she can't have leprosy. And so he says this, God says the weirdest thing. He goes, listen. If she would have dishonored your natural father, he would have spit in her face and put her outside the camp for seven days. God said that. That's kind of crazy, right? But, but here's, the, here's the thing, is dishonor is like leprosy, and it has to be put outside the camp for a wow. season of time wow. until wow. it's wow. repented of. And, and here's the reason why, because the root of bitterness will defile the whole body, or the root of bitterness will defile a whole generation. And if we don't battle that spirit of dishonor, then it'll start to eat away at our flesh. And see what leprosy does, before it eats the flesh, it attacks the nerve endings. And so what happens is they become numb. And, and that's why lepers don't even realize, uh, like it's like, hey Bob, your ear fell off. Oh, it did? They didn't feel it fall off because the nerve endings are dead. And so now you got people in church, you got people in the world, uh, whether it's secular or church, that they're just numb. And, and, and it doesn't that's matter right, that's right, that's right. Uh, how much you, you worship. It doesn't matter how much you preach to them. It doesn't matter what. It, it, it's like there's a numbness there, and they're not able to connect with God. They're not able to connect with people. And then uh, there's uh, all of this negativity that's ruling and reigning, right? And so I believe that we have to operate in a spirit of honor, even uh, when, it, when it comes to stuff we don't agree with. Uh, we, we, listen, we, we definitely speak truth and love. If something needs to be exposed, and it's going to hurt the church as leaders we we need to we need to expose that but uh, we don't need to be nasty about it you know what i'm saying absolutely and 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 i think some people have gone overboard because uh, they're they're speaking the truth but not in love that's right and it gets into the same spirit of dishonor that is already in operation and when you become those that are one with the principality that's operating then that principality wrecks havoc 
And so I think we're in a generation right now who has to shift that. That's good, and, and especially the younger generation, they've been hurt by religion. They've been hurt and offended. And so part of what we have to do, like I said, we're the bridge generation. We're like the in-between. Us and the older generation, we, we need, to, we need to, to really become fathers and mothers and realize that there's some hurt there and there's some pain there and that even where there's offense, we got to work through it with people and maybe even humble ourselves and say, look, I'm sorry if someone hurts you from my generation or if I hurt you. And, 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 and what, pride comes before the fall, but repentance comes before the restoration. Amen. Amen. And, Amen. and I think we can still snatch the next generation out of the fire and we can see the mobilization of an army to win souls all over the world. Because this generation that we're seeing right now that's doing all the crazy stuff, they're actually not, um, they are actually not a protest generation. See, a lot of people think they are, but they're not. They're just, uh, that's what the older generation calls it because back in the day they were a protest generation. The next generation is a cause generation. That's right, that's right. They're moved by causes. They're moved by justice. And what's happened right now is the devil's given them more to have a cause about in bitterness than uh, the church has given in the mandate of love. And because of that, the enemy's picking off multitudes of people and they got misplaced passion and they're missing the, uh, the, the thing that really brings the transformation, which is the Lord. 100%. It's so good, Jeremy. Yeah, so good. I learned something from you uh, just on this trip. It's uh, good. <laughs> That you're like you're like a book nerd, like like I didn't know that. About. I I always knew that you like to read, but like you consume books. And so, um, last question for you: What is like like what is the book that has shaped? And, and, and the Bible is amazing. It can't be the Bible, okay? Um, what is like a book that has shaped your values um, as being as being a, a minister more so than any other? book that you you've ever read and maybe it's maybe it's a book that when you're getting interns and stuff that you're like read this like what's yeah. that first book when you're you know where you feel like this this shaped me and this 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 will shape you yeah there's a couple of them okay um one of them that i suggest to all my interns to read and that i read still continually is the fourth dimension by Dr. Young E. Cho awesome. and the fourth dimension part two. Okay. And these are books from like the seventies, you know, awesome. from back in the day, but it's amazing because it's kind of like, you know, it's the word of faith, but it's like the supernatural Christianity that comes out of the East that was, it's different than the mindset of, uh, of the West. But the thing that I love about Dr. Cho is, you know, he's really someone that I've learned about the, the art of seeing, the art of hearing, you know, following the Holy Spirit in a radical obedience. And when you follow the blueprint of heaven, then heaven shows up awesome. and, and, and learning how to put your faith into the action of what God is saying. And, you know, he, he talks about the fourth dimension being operating, not just, you know, in the, the, the dimensions of what we can see here and feel and experience here, but operating in the spirit realm. And, uh, and, and that book wrecked me because, you know, he talks about all of the patriarchs of old, you know, and how the whole thing with uh, with those guys is what they see they can receive you know God told Abraham I want you to go to the top of the mountain and you know as far as your eyes could see you you can have as your inheritance well God didn't say to look down from the valley because it would have been limited but he went to the top of the mountain everything wow. he saw wow. God wow. said look at the stars of the sky you know and uh, however many stars there are that's the number of your inheritance it was so vast he couldn't count it the sands of the shore and and, and you can you know that book just wrecked me because it showed me the bigness of God yeah. and his yeah. his 
uh, you know, uh, destiny for us, but also the, the, the nearness of his heart, you know, wow. and, and pulling us in. Uh, you know, another book that I really, really love that I have our interns read is The Power to Change the World by Rick Joyner. It's an account of the Azusa Street Revival and, uh, and, and uh, you know, the Welsh Revival. So it's a, it's a historical revival book that, you know, talks about Evan Roberts, talks about William J. Seymour, and it talks about how those two moves of God were connected and how it went from, you know, Wales to there and how literally it shaped humanity uh, and it shaped, if you would, the way the church thinks today in most of the Pentecostal charismatic theology and what we believe in the spirit actually comes out of those two moves of God and it just imparts raw hunger for God and also the bigness of God to take cities and nations and regions and and so those are two books that I require all of our interns to read and two that have really impacted my heart and impacted my life shape perspective on prayer on intimacy uh, you know and 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 just really stretch you to, to believe more Awesome. So good. So good. Yeah. Anyone read those books out there? <laughs> awesome. You have to pick them up. Oh, great. And if you're, if, uh, and, and for people that are watching this uh, or listening uh, and replay, we'll put the links to that um, yeah. in the show notes so that people can get those orders. I, I love Kindle because you can just get right, get right to it. Yeah. And um, uh, also, uh, Elisha Revolution. Yep. Get the app. Because yes. you guys are hosting all kinds of meetings, and the, the majority of them are online. Yep. Uh, but you are open on Sunday nights now. Places packing out. Yep. You're seeing uh, signs, wonders, miracles, all kinds of stuff pop in the nations. So we want everyone to uh, check out Elisha Revolution, download the app, sow into Jeremy and Miranda. This is good soil. Bro, uh, last night was one of the most powerful uh, first nights of a conference that we've that we've Amen. ever that we've ever had uh, had before it was it was just like the word that you brought was revelatory it was timely but then it was just met with just the the presence of the lord just the presence of the lord just came right into the meeting you launched us off to an incredible week doing a week long of meetings here this conversation was just pure gold so many incredible nuggets uh, within this uh, conversation so value the relationship with you, with Miranda. Tr- yeah, we love you tr- Truly too, a sovereign connection mm-hmm. and looking forward to getting really old with you. You know, <laughs> can't wait till they bring you out on a stage and you know, got, you got your own black leather gloves on and you, and you preach sitting down and you're just like, I can't wait for that. <laughs> I will never use a walker or preach sitting down, but... Yeah, that, that, uh, that'll be on. That'll be like on Halloween for Reformation Day. I'll take the gloves off, and then we'll preach the gospel. Come on, come on, come on. Awesome, man. I love you. Th- thanks for making the time for this. Hey, love you a lot too. Lot of fun, man. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take 
take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. Dot com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.